I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. Guardian Cola, do it, do it. The button's here. It's Monday. It's nine o'clock. That means Snakes and Stogies, episode one ninety five. We are back after a week long break. <laughs> same yeah. snake time, same snake channel. That's right. Um, yeah, we're back. Uh. This episode is brought to you, as always, by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, shop around. It is tax time. Spend them dollars. Uh, use the code THN at checkout. Save yourself 10% off your order. If you're in the general southeast region, there's a pickup option. Save on shipping. Just drive on down to the, the black box shop and pick up your stuff. Save some save some uh, some shipping, shipping dollars. Get more bang for your buck. Um, Fulvius Apparel, FulviusApparel.com. Also use the code THN at checkout. That is 15% off your order. That is the exclusive discount code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Phil's got him a Subok hat. I do have one of those available still. Um, probably I'm going to make a couple more. We'll see. Haven't decided that far yet. I am. Uh, I have the... Money and registration sent to Wayne for Daytona, so I am vending uh, as Fulvius for Daytona, so it is sort of happening um, at this point. You know, the money has been sent, the money is spent, so it's going to happen. Now I have to do the planning as far as what I'm going to bring, how much of what I'm going to bring, all that good stuff. Um, so if you're going to be in Daytona in August, swing on by, say hi. Hells yeah. Yeah. And then Puget Sound Pythons, fine folks. The Pacific Northwest, Jeff and Kendra, give them a follow. They have some females that are working on some eggs. I saw some water pythons. I'm pretty sure they have some ball pythons that are there working on stuff. Uh, the only way you can stay in the loop is if you hunt them down on Facebook and Instagram and give them a follow. Uh, and then the best coffee money can buy, cold-blooded caffeine. I think, oh, I, I do. I Yeah, I got a bag right here. With that snakes and stogies blend, Mexican Rwandan goodness. Love that bag, man. Every time I see my the the the, the R bag, like my my bag I have in my hand that I'm about to rip open and just engulf my. I don't senses. think you need to even rip it. You just need to take your hand and just squeeze it so that it just explodes. Just you just pop. just give it just give it a, a gentle squeeze and just that little puff of fragrance that that effervescence of the snakes well, now, and stogies. Now you're just making it weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <clears throat> oh, let's see. Um, anything new? Um, yeah. Uh oh, gut gut wrenching news. Um, I love. I I. How do I phrase this? I don't love talking about bad things that happen in reptiles but we always need to remind ourselves our friends our listeners 
that sometimes in herpetoculture shit happens and there's no explanation for it at all in the least capacity um there's always going to be something that is undetectable there's always going to be something that is just out of your control out of your hands and long story short my prize specimen male cape puff adder died and uh he was with the female cooling and hopefully hopefully locking up for about two months during the recent south florida cold snap and i separated them i fed them both a week later i go to feed them both again and he's dead so hopefully he got the job done and his genes will live on but uh it was a major major gut-wrenching gut punch um traumatizing man like it did it is especially when it's completely out of nowhere like those are the worst like when you can tell an animal kind of going downhill that's one thing because you can at least mentally sort of prepare yourself that it's not going to be a surprise right right but then like that you know it just that those are the worst because that's the worst and it was was if you're really attached to that animal in particular that's yeah i mean obviously you know nobody nobody neglects their animals but you always have those two or three specimens that you really like fangirl over right you 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 coddle them you give them extra attention and the cape puffs man i baby the crap out of those damn things so it's just totally out of left field and it it was it was just weird i you know i opened the 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 enclosure and I throw in a live rat pup because I figure it's, you know, wake up from the cold. It's his second feeding since warming them back up. And it wasn't really that cold. It was like 60, you know, right. and uh, he was awake the whole time, hopefully doing his, doing his deed. And he didn't, he didn't make a noise. And I was like, man, that's really peculiar. So I, puff adders would be a lot. Puffier yeah, exactly. That. I mean, especially him. He's a, he's a loose cannon. And uh, I said, you know what? Let me, let me, poke him with a snake hook and just maybe he's sleeping let me wake him up so he sees or smells the the rat pup and uh and i poked him and nothing happened and that's just like that that feeling like that you know and uh yeah so i always like to share the unfortunate things that happen in our hobby in our community and let people know that it's not just you it happens to everyone to a certain degree, and we do have everything in our power to not have it happen. But don't feel bad if something off the wall happens. You know, it, we always talk about how reptile medicine is light years away from where it needs to be, and uh, this is probably one of those instances. So, other than that, do you have any hunches? Um. No, I, I'm I'm wondering if it was a long-term illness. I mean, <clears throat> I did not have, excuse me, I did not have the heart to necropsy it um, just because, you know, it's it, it's not just a snake in the collection. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, but definitely palpated and examined and there's just nothing wrong, man. And like, I, like I've had snakes roll unexpectedly. And you palpate, and there was some, there was a, an unknown right. impaction, something. or or some kind yeah. of tumor or something, right? And I feel like, had I physically found something, I probably would have been more apt to necropsy just out of morbid right. curiosity, right? Yeah. Um, but no, nah, man, it was a it was a healthy, normal snake, you know. Like check the mouth; the mouth was good. Like a lot of times, a mouth infection can do horrible, horrible things, and it wasn't that. Everything was 
kosher. I always wonder, like, I really like how how we have comorbidities and people are born with genetically yeah effective hearts and like things that are completely out of your control it's just like it's the the hand you're dealt unfortunately i really do wonder how often that is the case with a lot of the animals we have like yeah could have been nothing it just maybe it had it it struggled and it had lower average than average kidney function or something like sure simple stuff who knows like i really wonder how how often that's the case with a lot of that stuff yeah i mean and, and there's so many things that you know i got them as adults and this particular locality, that southwestern, sudwest Sud- African locality, are a smaller phenotype. They only right. get about three foot, and which is unlike many other puff adders. They have very large size and very large litters. These don't. These usually have like ten or fifteen babies on average, opposed to you know a Tanzanian that could have in excess of a hundred. So I don't know how old these things were. They were long-term captives, and. I mean, they were supposed to be captive bred, but I don't know. Sometimes you just get the vibe that it wasn't. So who knows? There could have been some kind of parasite. It could have had something from years before I ever acquired it. So who knows? But yeah, I just, uh, like I said, I hate sharing it, but I also feel like it's good to share and let people know that they're not alone if something like this happens to them. So yeah, other than that status quo, everybody's good. So temps are back up. I just uh, I just checked my Govi this morning, and I was like, man, let me look at the the like year to date and see how the swing is. And I've consistently from October to now been maintaining at least a fifteen to twenty degree temp swing each night. So winter in the desert room is cruising. So what about you, man? Uh, first of all, can you hear me? Because yeah. Yellow- like you're breaking up a little bit. You're getting choppy on my end, but no, you sound fine. Sound I mean, good? your, your video is a little fuzzy, like a little out of focus, but you're yeah. good. I'm probably going to have to restart my modem. Damn it. Uh, but other than that, um, really nothing new going on here. I traded some corns to my buddy, Kai Williams, who is local to me. Um, and got a rough scaled sand boa and a pair of, of pop one carpets. Very cool, man. Love the rough scan. Dude, that rough scale Sambo is really freaking cool. Like my, I'm very, I was very excited about that in particular, just because you know I've only kept Kenyans in the past, haven't really delved any more into that group at all. But <clears throat> these guys are just really, really cool. Uh, and I remember a video a while back, Gary Schiavino, he has some, and he was breeding them, and I was like, those look really neat. And I never really looked into it any any further than that. But Kai's like, I got this rough scaled Sambo, and I, you know, I'm not going to get a female for it, you know you have any interest in it? And I said, well, I, you know, I need to downsize some corns, you know, are there any interest there? So he took a group of corns. Uh, I got that mail and then he brought a pair of IJs that he had. And he's like, if you want these, you can take them just trade me something cool down the line. So I took the pair of pop ones. Uh, cool. So it's the first time I've had pop ones in, in a couple of years too. So excellent. It's pretty neat. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. They're really nice. Um, yeah, man, I saw a picture. So, they uh they're gonna they're gonna be lookers for sure hell yeah hell yeah um, they're they're f1 they're just they're just f1 from i don't Wild think Cots they're, uh no the parents were from nerd originally okay um so i don't think they're necessarily f1s but okay the male's about to shed so anxious to see that 
when that nice. happens. But other than that, yeah, nothing nothing really new going on. Uh, baby rhinos, I've made some good headway there. Uh, four of the five babies are eating pinkies off tongs without any any issues. Very little hesitation. Um, I have one that is still holding out and still eating rosies. Working on switching that over still. Uh, put two rosies in this bowl yesterday, and instead of eating them, it decided to constrict both of them and then forget about them and just let them <laughs> the balls i was like damn nice it. nice <clears throat> but the other four man they're rocking and rolling so I'm, I'm feeling like they're on track this is the second or third meal that those ones have had where they just they took right off the tongs so <clears throat> awesome it's good but good stuff good stuff um business as usual outside of that so hell yeah man good to hear uh, but yes, I heard about an upcoming documentary called Gopher Games. Any word? Uh, we are joined this week by uh, Brent Fannin, who is doing a documentary uh, called Gopher Games, and we'll you know obviously dive into that a good bit here. But pull up the uh, outline here. Let's see. Yeah. So I mean, basically. I, th- I don't think we've had anybody that's done like documentary or filmmaking type type work. Yeah. I mean, we've had some that have contributed and then, you know, we have Aaron with woods and forest who's doing his YouTube channel with all of his conservation naturalist stuff. But this is a, a, a bona fide documentary. Is it not? It is. Yeah. Um, so Brent, I mean, getting into it, man, what's your sort of your, your, background into into filmmaking i mean are you have you are you bitten into herps and stuff outside of that is it more just a naturalist kind of interest what's the um, end yeah first of all i don't think bona fide really counts it's uh it feels like it's too too posh for us <laughs> we're just a, <laughs> a bunch of herp lovers doing our thing no um i've been in filmmaking for well i studied it in college and then graduated into the recession so i never did anything with it um, so film, I, and I lived in Hollywood for a hot second, uh, studying production there and it was not my jam. So, um, I ended up becoming an environmental educator and animal trainer down in Florida. So, uh, I was there for a while. Um, and until last year, um, up until last year, like towards the end of that, I, uh, I mean, during COVID I, I won a, a grant, a $25,000 grant by a a nonprofit down in Palm Beach. And the purpose of the grant was to uh, to help me make a film uh, on conservation. And my pitch was about the Florida Springs. Uh, So I had a blast and it had a huge impact and the film went well. Um, I'll I'll probably throw it in the chat in a second. It's uh, it kind of like rekindled my passion. So on the outside, I, I don't own any reptiles, but I have been big into reptiles for a while. I was actually an alligator handler for a while, um, an alligator wrestler, if you will. Um, but, uh, as far as owning any, I do not at the moment. Uh, I have a, a beautiful dog who would be more than excited to eat something like that. So <laughs> no, I don't have any of my own. Uh, but I'm an, I'm a reptile, a huge reptile fan. And, um, most of the people on the, uh, working on the dock are either, you know, deeply ingrained in the herp community or environmentalists or you know people who just love nature so huge backing from from them shout out to everybody who's volunteering their time for this documentary and is in love with wildlife 
Yeah, I mean, something like that, man. It's there's so many moving parts. I can only imagine just having extra hands for the mo- like even in general just makes a huge difference in terms of coordinating, especially when you're dealing with schedules and stuff like that too. And and I know for us, like even with podcast stuff, when we're doing our you know our end of the year stuff, getting all four or five of us together at the same time is is usually pretty challenging. So, um, what? is so gopher games what is the sort of the the basis of of that like what's the well it's the story behind it in an unintended way it's a follow-up on my first documentary about the spring so the first documentary basically showed that like whatever you know whatever protection in florida you think exists for your natural resources it does not um there are completely unqualified people on these uh supposedly organizations that are protecting the, the, um, the wildlife. And, uh, I didn't realize when I got into this story that I was going to fall down the gopher hole as far as I did. Um, so I guess, so here's some context. So I got rekindled after I was really, I got really excited about that first documentary and that like, I knew immediately they had to do another documentary and I didn't have any money. I didn't have a grant, uh, but I just started reading and as I was reading, um, I was at the I was working at the College of Journalism at, at University of Florida in Gainesville, and I had someone who's like, "Do you like gopher tortoises? You should read about them." And so I Googled it, and Craig Pittman popped up. Do you guys know who that is? Like, does he, that name pop? Good, 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 good. Yep. So Craig Pittman is um, uh, a journalist, and I th- I think he's a contributor, but he might work specifically for. A company, I'm not sure, but he he basically does satirical articles um, condemning the government in Florida for all the terrible things that they do for wildlife, mostly. And one of the ones I, f- I found immediately was one of his articles on gopher tortoises, um, joking about how uh, there's basically no protections for them; they're all a joke. And I was like, okay, that I'm like I'm intrigued, and I kept finding more and more and more articles and blogs and and Facebook posts and people just in love with tortoises saying like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and it kind of came down to like, we boil down the story. It's developers versus gopher tortoises. And in a way it's more developers versus 365 species. Um, Cause the mm. gopher tortoise burrow is an incredibly important. So the 365 plus species use that as their home and, and to live. So if you take away the, the burrows and take away the tortoises, like we're in trouble. But at the same time, like they like the upland habitat, right? They can't live in water. They're tortoises. So the upland habitat is also what developers want. And so there's this massive battle between people like us who care about, about them and, and people who just want to develop and make money off of the you know, resources in Florida. So I followed up the first documentary with another one, and it's going to cover a lot about that, about how developers have basically taken over every facet of government, like any level of government has a developer in it, including the Senate. And they are slowly, slowly chipping away at anything that we think exists. But in reality, there's not really any protections for gopher tortoises right now. So that's, I mean, obviously we got time in the podcast to dive into some of these, but like, it's so complex. I'm struggling to find a a concise way to say what the documentary is about. So I'll just say this. It's about gopher tortoises being absolutely screwed by a government who does not give a shit about them and us and what we think. It's all about profit. And that is, yeah, I wouldn't use that language, 
on like IMDb, uh, but that's <laughs> yeah. basically what it's about. Yeah, uh, it was brought to my attention, and obviously you know way more about this than I do, but it was brought to my attention from a ecologist friend who does land surveys for the state on these from basically these big corporations pay them to go and find say tiger beetles right endangered species so they go and they say nah there's there's no tiger beetles and they go all right cool we're gonna you know put in a light post on this road we just we didn't want to bulldoze the easement if there were tiger beetles there you know so there's no beetles we'll put the light post up okay well from what i gather i guess the the fine that the organization has to pay is inconsequential to the amount of money that they're making let's just use a nonsense number like say 10 grand right so if the ecologist says hey you can't bulldoze this it's there's gopher tortoises there and the state says well the fine for bulldozing gopher tortoises is 10 grand so they're like oh it's only 10 grand just pay it yeah and then they yeah. bulldoze it so they do the same thing here yeah i mean so we have yeah. the live oaks and stuff and there's supposed to be really heavy fines for for these developers that that take those down and that's pretty much the exact same case of like oh the fine's only that much and it's a you know three million dollar grocery store going right there i think harris teeter can afford to take it down you know yeah. so it's just yep. it's gone and it's it's so frustrating man because you're talking about trees that are literally hundreds of years old and it's like <laughs> yeah it's just, yeah Flo florida's got a motto right the state motto is infinite re infinite gains from finite resources like that's how the state is run and the gopher tortoise is probably the worst example I could find. I thought the Springs were bad. Like I thought our water was bad because we're known as like the red tide state in some places. Right. But it's not compared to what developers are doing right now. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like someone said the almighty dollar dragon lair. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's heart wrenching and this documentary is going to make you cry and get so angry. Hopefully be happy at the end and know, you know how to get involved. But, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a, like, it's a, it's not just the state motto. Like that's, that's the go, that's the cost of doing business, right? It's just destroying the environment and paying whatever minimal fine that the government might've put in place until they remove it, which they do as there are developers in the Senate. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's watching the trailers and stuff for it and sort of really thinking about it. Cause I think in one of them, it's mentioned how there's, you know, indigo snakes and so many other species or even harry harry found an eastern diamondback and it was trying to go into a, a gopher yeah burrow just the other day and i was like that's after seeing that and then i had watched the trailer like a day before i got to thinking about it and it's like those things really are like there's so many things just directly tied to that species yeah you know, and even if the species like, doesn't use it regularly like it's yeah. it's uh it's a shelter right when the when the wildfires burn through like the animals don't have anywhere to go so the insects and any small animal that can fit they go down in there and they're fine. When the hurricanes hit, they're fine. Usually these things like go down to the water table. Um, so even if it's raining or there's a hurricane out, it doesn't flood the gopher tortoise. Usually it doesn't flood their tunnel. So yeah, it's a shelter. E even for the animals that don't regularly use it to survive. Everything else does. You're just talking about something that, that I mean, looking at it in the grand scheme of an acre of land or half an acre of land, like it doesn't seem like much, but then... You know, when you consider how many other things really need those to be there and they utilize those and there's other species that are on the line that rely on them entirely, um, you know, then it, it really sort of has a lot more weight to it. Um, and I know Phil 
like being down there he's seen it i know just driving to oh, daytona yeah. and stuff from from here like it's you know i'm 45 minutes outside of savannah in, in south carolina you know i'm right over the border there so um seeing all the construction and stuff and i mean that's a running joke that we have is you know the state of florida is under construction pretty much constantly and will always be yep i four always good <laughs> I lived in Orlando for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. And that, the running joke down here, uh, I'm in s- Southeast Florida and 95, it's always under construction because by the time they finish it, it's time. They, they it needs to be redone right. again. Yeah. The exactly. developers brought in more buildings and more people. So they need to do yep. more development to yep. continue to yep. bring in more people and do more development. <laughs> and it, it's wild too, because there is still a lot of privately owned property that is not going to be developed because it is off the beaten path. Maybe it's used for cattle and it's left. It's left to be wild despite there being livestock on it. And and there is a lot of, there is a lot of land left for animals, even if it's not designated for them. Does that make sense? But you also have someone who says, all right, I've got a thousand acres of land. I don't want to sell it to contractors. I want to sell it to the state so that it becomes a state sanctioned, you know, wildlife park or WMA or something. And they do that. They donate it, tax write off, whatever. And then they find out a decade later that the state is leasing it out to farmers to put cows and bulldoze palmetto scrub and put cattle there. So uh, it's an, it's an yeah. everlasting battle. I'm with you, brother. There are organizations though that do, do it the right way. Like a conservation easement, I think is the term. Uh, I was like, I'm not well versed in this. I just know I have some friends that do this and conservation Florida is one of them. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of that one They're, I mean, they do millions of dollars worth of like land purchases mm-hmm. and they, they're the ones that are working on that path of the Panther. They've been helping a lot to try to like buy that land with grants and with donations and then make it a conservation conservation easement, which I think, I think lasts like 80 years where you're not allowed to touch it. So there is a way to do it right. But yeah, yeah. like you said, you, you think that you got it covered. You think you've done the right thing. And then there's a loophole somewhere in there that the government yeah. knows is there and they can yep. profit off of it somehow. And so they do. That's yeah. what the documentary does a lot of that, where we're just like po- pointing out the most insane things that are legal and they would blow your mind. Um, yeah. I should probably, t- I was going to release a portion of the documentary in a trailer and it's just called Entombment. And we do like a full three minutes on it out of the 18 or so that the documentary is going to end up. And it was legal for a while. It was legal in Florida to entomb tortoises if you paid to get a permit. And when I say entomb, like it literally just bulldoze right over either either the tortoise itself or into like right over top of the burrow and just put a house there. And you could get a permit to do that. And it became eventually they removed that permitting system, but they grandfathered in anyone who had a permit. So right now there's about 3000 permits in the state of Florida where it is still legal on that land for a developer to just bulldoze the whole community of gopher tortoises. Wow. And, and you guys, and this is probably not a surprise to anybody watching this, but they're reptiles, right? So they have an ability to survive a lot for a very long time. And so there's actually, there's not a lot of research done on it because uh, you know, who's going to, try to research the tortoises that have died when they dig underneath the house that's built on top of it. But um, there is a mild amount and it shows that essentially a tortoise could live up to a year underground, just 
stuck in that hole with no food, no water, nothing. And then they die because their innards, their insides just like literally eat themselves. Um, so Jeez. yeah, it's insane that that was legal for many, well, I said many years. It was legal for a while and they were permitting people to allow them to do it. And now they don't hand out those permits, but it's still legal on those, on those land um, plots to do that. So like, nuts, man. You, you think they're protected. They're not. They're yeah. just in the way. It's insane. Yeah. Insane. Absolutely wild. Say Chase uh, Pertle said, if you have your property in a natural state, you pay full property tax. If you do agriculture, uh, silviculture, grow crops, you get a significant tax break, which is not surprising. Yeah. There's no tax break for conservation. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Even though the FWC is supposed to be the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. But half the board of directors is all land developers. We talk about that too. Yeah, right? Yep. That's what blows my mind is how does like the people that are that are deciding to put these people in, in the positions of, of the heads of some of these hundred and stuff. It's like we talk about that too. At grand. no point does it not seem like a conflict of interest. Kind our, of like our good buddy insider trading thing. It's like no one's looking at that. Going, yeah. Uh, our good buddy Sean, I he said that if I got him if I found him the hundred grand to petition for commission seat, he'd do it. So to petition for a commission seat. Yeah. It, Cause that's what it, no one knows this, but to be on a, on the commission's board for FWC, it secretly costs about like, I think it's like 125,000. You have to donate that money to FWC and that gets you the ability oh. to run, to be on the commission board. Well, I think it's more like paying the governor to choose you because it's it's a it's right. a position that's placed by the governor, whoever the governor is at that moment, and it, that makes sense. I, I I've never gonna, heard... I wasn't going to say that out loud like that, but I get yes, you're you're right. I'm making a documentary of it. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I will say Good. it right Good. here. So so in the in in the wording for the the Florida Constitution, I'm failing here as a podcast. It's my first time in a podcast. Okay, it's great. Um, I love it. The in the Constitution, it says that the governor uh, chooses who he wants to be on the commission, and that's it. There is no, like, they have to be qualified to do this or that, or they have to have, you know, had this year's experience, or they have to know anything about wildlife. So at the moment, five out of seven of the commissioners that are chosen by a governor are developers, or, or they are in some way directly connected to development and are profiting from it. Right. And it, I've never heard the ten, the $100,000 things, but it makes sense that someone who is already rich is going to donate to a campaign fund. Which is for, a tax write-off. Right. They're going to donate. And then, so, well, I don't want to make this partisan, but right now it's Republican. Um, it's DeSantis is the Republican. So right now you, you're a Republican. You want to bolster your resume and get higher in politics. I don't know. Maybe feel some sort of cred. So you donate $100,000 and then you pop up on the list of people's names that DeSantis knows about. And when he's looking to choose somebody, maybe you're a good connection. Maybe because you have $100,000 to throw at a campaign, you might be rich enough to make him better. Like there, it's always enriching back and forth at this like good old boys club where we're not a part of it because we care about conservation. And because of that, we don't have money, <laughs> but because they care only about money, uh, they have enough to buy their way into these positions. But, but on, on paper, um, like legally it's chosen by whatever, whoever the sitting governor is. And then they serve a period of, uh, I think four years. 
Um, and some of them have been on there for a long time. They just keep yeah. getting chosen by whoever the governor is and keep profiting from the position. Yeah, man. The more I hear people talk about the whole like occult thing and drinking like the blood of babies and stuff, and that's why politicians live so long, the more I'm starting to believe it because I feel like 99% of the population doesn't live as long as they do. <laughs> it's just wild like i'm like i'm like okay there might be something to this at this point it's like because you got these they're like borderline corpses that are in yeah. office and making decisions and doing stuff and it's like mother if of you've God. got the money to buy your way into a position like that you got the money to pay for good health care yeah well yeah and it's also i i don't remember someone's gonna correct me i'm sure but i don't remember if it was a a board commissioner spot or something in fwc but Basically, they were in 2024, I think maybe June or July this year, the law is going to change in pertaining to a seat holder being able to campaign, I think, for someone, right? So, something to that extent. So like one, of the, yeah, one of the, well, you no, know, like one of the guys who has a seat was going to retire and then, and then realized if i retire in 2024 i can't campaign for the next guy who's going to have like a seven-year stint or a five-year stint when it used to be three years or something like that so he winds up retiring early so that he can campaign for six to nine months whatever it was to fuel the next guy and guarantee that the next guy gets his seat or whatever however it was it's it's all a sham man it's it's fucked yeah I, I I heard a story. I should say I read an article. This actually happened. I, I think it was the director of the FWC. I want to say last year, maybe the year before. He there was a law that changed, uh, similar to what you just said. But the law was like, um, once you you usually what they do is right. They're like the director of the FWC for a while, right? They're enriching themselves, and then they become a lobbyist or something similar. Um, my dog is saying hello. You say Excellent. hi, buddy. Come here, bud. Uh, there he is. Nice. So the so basically, you what you could do is quit, and and then you could be immediately become a, a lobbyist and make a crap ton of money because you have all these connections and yeah. now you're using them. But they changed the law so that you couldn't. So that if you worked after a certain day, if you worked and then quit. You couldn't. You had to wait for like three or four years to become a lobbyist. That's. I think that's where. I think that's what so I was he, confusing. So he resigned. Yeah. Right. He exactly. resigned one day before that took effect, so that he could use everything that he'd done to enrich himself to continue it, and that's how the game is played. That's why we don't have any habitat for the gopher tortoises anymore, is because it's all about the and money. I'll also chime in for everyone listening. This is not an anti-FWC thing. We have mm -hmm. friends that are fishing wildlife cops, and they're yeah. doing a great job enforcing the laws and, and protecting wildlife and putting bad guys in jail. And, and we, we support that on this show, but the powers to be need to fix their shit. So. Yeah. I want to, I wanted to, I meant to say that at the beginning, um, and I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, so there's a lot of us that worked on this project and some of us uh, like Chase Pirtle, who you can see chatting up in the comments. Nice. Um, Chase is directly connected to a lot of people in the FWC and he's interviewed in the documentary and he helped produce and, and he knows a lot about gopher towards conservation because he does it. He's a part of it. And at the, on our website and in the documentary, there is a disclaimer that, that says what you just said. It's like, it's the commissioners. It's the governor. Right. It's 
it's all these people who are enriching themselves. It is not the researchers. It is not the people with boots on the ground. It is not the average employees who work in the FWC because they care. Um, we had a, like a, quite a few of them wanted to be involved, but they weren't. They didn't think that they'd keep their job if they were a part of this documentary because they know yeah. that the people that pull the strings don't give a shit. So, as a disclaimer, from everything that comes out of my mouth, none of it is directed towards those employees because we know that the vast majority of people in the FWC care, and they're there because they care. Yeah, um, and it's it's sad. And I hope I don't discourage any of them. I hope our documentary doesn't discourage any of them from continuing to do what they do. Because if they leave, then a bunch of people move in their position who also don't care. So yeah. we don't have anybody as a buffer uh, between the tortoises and the money-grabbing commissioners. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you for bringing that up. And I want everyone yeah. to know that I love the work that the FWC people do, the rangers, the researchers, everybody. And without them... Florida would be absolutely screwed. Yeah. So they're really important in the FWC as a whole, I think has some very good people. And uh, anything that I say that's negative is going to be directed at the governor and his commissioners. Well put. So what's the, uh, as far as like mapping out and, and planning something like this, you know, like where do you, where do you start? Like what's the, Oh God! Because it's almost like writing a book. Like you sort of have ideas down of things you want to cover, and then you kind of start, I guess, somewhere and just like in one section, and then kind of go from there. Or how, I mean, what's the? Yeah. So, so this receding hairline that I have—that's from the documentary and the stress that it came from just like starting it. Like that, it. I mean, it's intense. So you're telling a story, but you can't. Like I'm telling a story that I care about, but it's not my story, and so. I had to do my due diligence at the beginning. Like I read a Craig Pittman article. I got hyped up. I started chatting with people. And then eventually I made the mistake of talking to Chase Pirtle uh, because the rabbit hole that he shoved me down made it very clear that this is such a complex topic with so many people who care about it that I have to do it justice. We have to do it justice. And that like, it still weighs on my heart. Every time I watch the doc, every time I'm, you know, clicking around making minor edits, I'm like, did I portray this accurately and in a way that would make everybody that loves and works with gopher tortoises proud? Because if I don't do that, I'm doing something wrong. And so to begin at the beginning, it was just to talk to everybody I could think of. And I want to put a disclaimer on this. Like there's, you know, the term called um, journalistic integrity. I want to have that, but at the same time, I'm not a journalist. I'm a storyteller and a documentary filmmaker. So I did not involve any of the commissioners or the governor or the directors. I did not talk to any of them uh, because they already told their part of the story. Right. We know it's about the money. So what I did is I reached out to Chase and I reached out to um, Elise, who's in the documentary. She is um, she's a lawyer who fights for environmental stuff and she helped uh, put a lawsuit against the federal government involving gopher tortoises. And then Kim, uh, she is part of Swamp Girl Adventures Rescue and Rehab. So she actually rescues and re rehabilitates these tortoises. So like I reached out to a bunch of people I work with at the College of Journalism and a bunch of people that I just know like animals, a bunch of people that I knew grew up down in like central Florida and like the middle of Florida down by like uh, Lake Placid who... I know grew up with the gopher tortoises. And then I, you know, I talked to anybody I knew that had any love of Florida and I want to know all of their perspectives. And again, I, I made the mistake of, I made the mistake of bringing Chase in on this. Just kidding, Chase. I love you. 
um, he gave me so much knowledge that I have a I have like a Google Drive that's just with stuff that Chase has sent me that is relevant. And we put all of it into a giant script that probably would have been a feature length had we talked about everything. And Ch I think Chase is like, if you, if you watch him dropping knowledge in the comments, it's things that uh, some of them might be pretty complex and uh, a little technical. And Chase, please continue to do that. Uh, but it's so, a lot of it, we just could not put in the documentary. So what I did for my process is, is because I, I think it's really important to tell the story. But if, if we take time to like take all these side turns and like these, you know, rabbit holes that are in the wrong direction, people don't care. They're not going to finish watching. And as a documentary filmmaker, I, I like full feature lengths, but I don't want to do that because the yeah. further we get into like things like TikTok and YouTube and everything, people are not watching long form stuff. Right. They're watching something that's short and sweet. And if you, if you keep diving into stuff that's too technical, they don't care. I don't want to have to tell something, but then have to explain something first so that you understand it. Right. People need to be able to digest it easily. So I printed it all out, had like 30 pages and I laid it all out on the floor consecutively. And I just went through and I was like, slash this and slash that. And like, this is important, but not in this context, or this is super important, but it's going to slow us down. So we got to touch something else. And eventually I came up with, we came up with uh, 25, 27 minutes, something like that of a documentary. And I was like, that's too much. So we did it again. We chopped and chopped and chopped until we got to 20 minutes. And I was like, that's the sweet spot. And then my editor jumped in. One of the guys who's helping us out, he he does professional editing for UF. And he sliced it three more minutes, which I still am very impressed with because I couldn't do that myself. And so we, yeah, that was, I, I can't, wow. the amount of stress and anxiety I get from just thinking, am yeah. I doing enough to tell this oh. story? But also, I can't listen to everybody else's input. I have to tell a story how I know how to yeah. tell it and the way I know to tell it effectively. So it was hard. We got there. I think it's beautiful. But at the same time, uh, there's a reason why Chase is jumping in with a bunch of this stuff is because there's a lot of stuff that we can't talk about in the documentary, but it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what separates, like what stops you from saying, okay, you know, what if we have all this information, all these things we want to cover and we don't want to do it as, you know, a solid, you know, feature length piece. What stops you from breaking it up and doing it as like a like a mini series of sorts? Whew, funding, <laughs> for one. Yeah. Also, I, I don't. So every single person that's worked on this documentary, no one's gotten paid, and it, it's been it's been quite a few people. Um, I think Ch Shane is in the comments. He's helped us out. Chase is in there. Lauren's in there. Like a lot of people are helping us out, and none of us are getting paid. We're all volunteering our time and expertise and equipment. Um, yeah. Our cinematographers are very good at what they do. They came out on site. We spent, we we did five cities in three days of filming. Wow. And that was like, like nobody got paid for that. They used their own equipment, which was very expensive camera equipment. People have donated a lot of drone footage. I've taken drone footage myself. Like there's a lot of beautiful shots in there. And um, it's all been donated. People have reached out to me on Instagram. They're like, hey, I've got this really good footage. This gopher tortoise running through a bunch of, uh, trash, not too far from me. Hashtag Zach. Thank you very much. Uh, and like, they just throw it at me and they don't care. They're not asking for money. So one of the problems is funding. We, we have $5,000 that we raised on a GoFundMe and that's it. It was really tough for me to make the previous documentary at $25,000. That was really hard and people got paid. 
Everybody got paid at least a little bit mm -hmm. for their time. Nobody got paid on this documentary. So I uh, personally, I think this, this conflict, this is such a complex story and gopher tortoises is so damn cute. Like people would watch this for an hour. Sure. But Absolutely. we can't, we just can't. And it's taken two years so far to make this because all of it's volunteer time. Uh, so we've got, we're hitting a bottleneck right now because we got one person that really needs to do something important to the editing, but no one else can. And he's working overtime. Like he, he doesn't have time to do it right now. So right. yeah, it's, yeah, I would do a miniseries in a heartbeat if I had the funding and the time. I just, man, I think I'd go insane with that much and, and it's tough having to, dude, I'd, yeah, I don't, it's really tough. Like, I don't think I could cut what, it. Yeah. I don't think I, I could either. No, nah, I don't think I could cut it. I'd be like, I'd have to leave it in, you know. Attention spans be damned. The people yeah. that like really invest themselves in it, watch yeah. they will, you know, whatever yeah. TikTok. I'm with you. Is. You know what? So one of the things that made it easier for us to chop some of this stuff, and when I say us, I should I should point out that uh, Chase is in the chat, and so is Lauren. They have helped me in a lot of ways about making sure the story is accurate. So a lot of credit goes to them. And so when I say we, I'm I'm generally referring to me and the two of them, but we chopped quite a bit, but at the same time, we knew that it needed to be told. And we knew that there were people like you guys, right? And there were people listening to a podcast like this. They're not your average citizen. They're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're having a problem with Gilbert tortoises, but like, I need more. Those people, I have something for you and it's on our website. So at the moment you go to gophergamesfilm.com. You can see like all of our trailers and our poster, uh, but coming soon is what's called the learn page. And the learn page is a chronological following of everything we discuss in the film with links and follow-ups and more resources and we dive down every single side rabbit hole we can think of on the website so the documentary is going to be digestible for anybody mm -hmm. anybody that cares to watch more than 30 seconds is going to see something that they they want to continue to watch because they're such cute animals and it really pulls your heartstrings but the website is going to be for people who want to get deeply involved or at least want to fact check us. Like for anybody who sees something that's insane, like there are 3000 permits that you can legally kill a yeah. gopher tortoise. That's bullshit. Go to the website. I've got a document for you. You can click on the link and it'll go to the FWC's website, which has the document that shows you. Yes. So we, we didn't want to give it up, but it felt less painful to dive in and do all that snipping that we did because yeah that makes uh, up we have the backup a pretty good bit yeah. yeah yeah that's good that's great that's great uh one thing that i loved about the trailers were the old florida footage yeah and you know i thought that was i really smart. absolutely love old florida footage so i've been in florida for uh, 25 years and I have watched it change it, rapidly around me. Like places that used to be cattle fields are now condominiums and a, and a Target, you know, and, and, and even driving out to old herp spots that are don't exist anymore, or now they're isolated, or now there's no access to them because there's a neighborhood there, or what have you. And I absolutely love that in the trailers you you show the old Florida, whether it be 30 years ago or 80 years ago, and showing it now. And that where did you find the footage? I mean, it's it's awesome. Are you willing to talk about that before the before yeah. it airs or okay? Yeah, no problem. Uh so so it was easy and it was awful. 
uh, floridaarchives.org, I think, Flor floridamemories.com, something like that. There's, there's two websites, but they're, they lead to the same site. Um, basically, there, there's just a crap ton of footage on this Florida Archives website, and it is all public domain. Uh, so what I did was spent, I want to say no less than five hours on just that website, Googling like, or like typing in the search, go for tortoises, developers, development, developing. Okay. Hold on. Construction, wildlife, conservation, old shit. That's relevant to me. And, uh, eventually I found these, these pictures. And when I found a spot that I was like, I know that Fort Lauderdale, that location where I have been is insanely developed, but it doesn't look like it in this picture. I would go to Google Earth and then I would zoom in to the exact spot, which also would that that was the hard one of the hard parts. Uh, it was easy to find this stuff, even though it took a lot of time. But one of the hard parts was finding exactly the right camera angle for that exact yeah, aerial photo from a helicopter like 30, 40, 50, 60, I think yeah. even 70 years ago. Yeah. And matching it and being like, holy crap, that's insane. And I found a lot of them and we actually use, there's another Google resource that you can use where it has a speed up of all of the, um, the photos that they've taken from satellites in an exact location. And then you can hit play and it'll just fast forward through time. Wow. And so I found a lot of those places. Like I'm going to use the villages as an example, cause it's one of the worst, the villages, like, uh, Google it right now. Anybody that's watching, if you're interested, Google it and then click on the button. I think it's the bottom left of your, your picture that allows you to switch it to satellite view and just like slowly zoom out and you will just see house and house after house after house. And then a golf course, which is green, but then back to houses and houses and houses. And the only water is actually runoff ditches. They look like lakes, but they're not it's just runoff. Like, they just basically wasted dozens, maybe maybe even hundreds of square miles on these tiny little homes. And there's no wildlife. There's there's vultures in the air, and that was all I saw. Uh, so that was heart wrenching to find that stuff, and it was not easy to find like the, exactly what I wanted for the film. But it's all out there, and it's easy to see. It's so easy to look through that that uh, page that shows the that, you know the time lapse of all of the satellite stuff and just go like, what are we doing? Um, so that's in the, that's in the film. You will see that. And it's at, it's at multiple, multiple spots throughout the film. You're going to see the transition from like the old school photo to the new, you know, the new Google or studios film pulling out. And then you'll also see a lot of the time-lapse uh, through the satellite photos. And it's, it's heart wrenching to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. I look forward to it, man, but I also got to like, mentally prepare myself you know yes <laughs> so yeah it's it, it's just wild uh definitely if you could share the link with us for that that time lapse stuff i'm yeah. sure there's lots of listeners maybe not now but w whenever that would love to see that stuff or if we can do it now smitty can put it up and do i don't know fort lauderdale or i can try tampa that. or something yeah if... it's super easy to find Boom. a lot of the old uh the, the macbook there Oh, this yeah. comment failed to post. Uh-oh. Am I broken? No, you're here. You're with us. Okay, so it's not allowing me. So Google, Google Earth time-lapse. And it's the okay. first thing it says. Um, it says time-lapse Google Earth engine. 
Uh, That's it. For some reason, won't let me link link to it. All right, definitely check it out. The um, one thing I wanted to bring up is: Did you guys, did you in your research or your cohorts in their research debate or even put in there the mysoplasma with the tortoises or no? No, Um, is we didn't dive deeply into anything health related. Okay. Um, we definitely have links to, you know, the websites for some rescue and rehab people. Can you tell me about that more? I'm, I'm so, interested. so from what I, what I've been gathered. So uh, again, someone's going to correct me. And, and one of your, your UF guys or gals is in the group chat. They want to chime in. Fantastic. Um, I believe it's a virus and it was from Western tortoises that got exposed to gophers in Florida and it's extremely contagious and very lethal to go for tortoises. However, some of them are asymptomatic. And essentially, if you have a if you have one gopher population in site A and you have another gopher population a mile away in site B, well, site A may be uh, asymptomatic and site B is has nothing at all. And all of a sudden you're driving down the road, which cuts in between two populations and there's a tortoise crossing the road and you say, Oh, this tortoise, where did it come from? I know there's a gopher tortoise burrow on my left. I'll pick it up and I'll put it over by the burrow. And now that human has inadvertently just killed that entire colony because they move the asymptomatic tortoise to the non viral loaded population. And so I guess the only organization that can test for it is the University of Florida, but they won't test unless I think they have like 10 or 20 specimens to test for. And it's extremely expensive. So if your your guy mm-hmm. Chase is in there and he it looks like he knows what I'm talking about. And I may have butchered that. So forgive me if I did. I'm not an expert, but that is something that I've been really thinking about and and trying to learn more about just because you see a tortoise on the side of the road, you want to move it across the road so it doesn't get waffled. Meanwhile, you've inadvertently killed a population, right? Or better yet, uh, a group that was non-exposed gets bulldozed, and now you've got a whole population that's less ex- that's that was not exposed. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm on a tyrant. Sorry. No, that makes. I mean, it's it's kudos to that person for picking up the tortoise and not putting it, you know, in water or not putting right. it back where it's coming from, right? right? But fragmentation is something we discussed briefly too, because that's it's not just that we're developing; it's that as we develop, and you know, their their habitat gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and we're and instead of so, I guess it's important to know instead of uh, permits to entomb the tortoises, now we have permits to move them. So like you said earlier, the cost of doing business is just like a 10, here's $5,000 to move this tortoise to another location. As you move those tortoises to another location, we're literally getting smaller and smaller, smaller. And so what you said makes a lot of sense because fragmentation is a big thing. Like we send roads right through the middle of these habitats. And there's a reason why they're crossing the roads because they need a mate because we right. just chopped their habitat in half. Yeah. And you got the, the closer humans get to these animals, the worse they are. And we, sh- we don't show that in the documentary. Um, Kim Titterington is interviewed in it. She's the rescue and rehabber. She does a little bit. Uh, oh, let me, let me finish up my thought real quick so we can watch this. She does a little bit. And then uh, she, she talks a little bit about it. But on the website, we show some of the graphs of uh, the documentation that she's had on basically uh, like the, the numbers and why she rescues animals and what. And 
80% of the tortoises that she rehabs came to her because of human interaction or their pets, their dogs that are attacking them. 80%. So that means that, you know, 80% of the issues are caused by us. And fragmentation is a big one because we're just chopping them up and nobody cares. Yeah. Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Can we watch that? Yeah, what I have is just it's Naples. Mm. Was it? And I mean, it's it's just a sort of a. Did they say what year that is, or? Uh, so it starts at nineteen eighty four, and goes to twenty twenty two. All right, let's see it. Good. Wow, there's a yeah. real boom in two thousand. Yep. Jeez, can you find the villages? That one's the worst one that I could find. Do I just put in some of them like like Miami? Uh, there are a couple of like the not the satellite shots, but the zoom in like the old time photo shots I got from Miami that are pretty crazy. But Miami's been developed for a long time. Oh, yeah. And that was really surprising to me. Like, it's crazy how long. Well, zoom in do- a little bit just to the just to the southeast of that big old lake. Which big old lake? Uh, on just in the top center, the big one. Yeah, that lake right to the left of your cursor. Yeah, zoom just in a little bit so- just south of there. Yeah, now hit play. So this is 1984, you said? Boom. Look at it just like wow. spread out like wildfire. Wow, man. It's crazy that we can see that happen from space. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Nick is saying he just, he noticed so much more roadkill on the roads, maybe from all the clearing. Yeah. I mean, the, the roadkill is only going to get worse as we continue to plow right through their habitat. Yeah. It's nuts, man. All right, Smithy. Now I'm morbidly curious. I need you to look up. Coral Springs, Florida. <laughs> is that where you live? That is where I live. Okay. Um, but I know how much has happened in the 25 years I've been here. I can only imagine from like the 80s to now. So you look at you looking at Buford? This is Ladies Island. Okay. Huh. It's not it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not, well, a lot of, a lot of, not a lot of upland habitat. A lot of that development's happening, you know, up up here. A lot of subdivisions are coming in and stuff, but let's see. All right. So now if I may, Justin, real quick. So your cursor, see where the population is kind of squared off right there to the right so so that yeah so that square that right angle on the top left corner of that little block of civilization that is the sawgrass expressway and that basically separates the urban areas or suburban areas from loxahatchee uh, national reserve and that's what that green everglades is to the left now you see there's like a line that cuts that green everglades right in half to the left that yep. goes up and down, north and south. That's Highway 27. 
So Highway 27 on the right side is Loxahatchee National Preserve. Uh, the green stuff on the left side of Highway 27 is, for the most part, uh, sugarcane plantation and agricultural zone. And then you have a highway that cuts straight across that goes to Naples, which is Alligator Alley, and that's mostly natural preserve and uh, stormwater treatment areas. They call them STAs. So if you see the green patch that's to the right of that right angle go to the right a little bit all right where's your little where's your little cursor all right just go down a little bit do with the cursor and then go to your right a little bit that green patch right there you go that's where i live right there oh okay yeah now that's that's actually a, a state park or state forest or whatever i mean it's it's minuscule it's really tiny it's just like a small nature trail that there's barely any there's barely any real florida animals left it's mostly raccoons but uh but this is whoa it's gone go. yep whoa you see how all that creep yeah, up? Zo zo like zoom out real quick zoom out a little more zoom out yeah zoom out a little more okay so so here i, I was wrong on that road so yeah, the, the highway is still there on on where the civilization stops against the preserve, mm -hmm. but they expanded north of it. So here, can you can you rewind in time? If you hit play and it goes to the end, it'll it'll reset itself. Yeah, start it back there. It's interesting that there's that giant barrier between humans and wildlife, but it was created by a giant trench, and yeah, so well, they they had everything to was destroyed. Yeah. Yep. The water flow is completely ruined. Oh yeah, they've they've been dealing with that for decades. Right. Gotta love the Army Corps of Engineers. <laughs> yeah, right. They did some really impressive stuff, and when I say impressive, I mean absolutely horrible. Yeah. Well, so actually, we should look at Picayune. Is what we should look at. Um, it has nothing there. I don't believe there's gopher tortoises there currently, but Picayune State Forest was a piece of property that was purchased by a land developer i believe in the 1950s and his goal was to basically make a new miami out closer to the naples area and he made roads and cul-de-sacs and zoned out lots for individual houses and the goal was to have some kind of uh marketplace and grocery and all that stuff and this is again like the 1950s so they started plowing and paving the roads and cul-de-sacs and then they ran out of money so they abandoned it and Jeez. 20 or 30 years later the state picked it up and said hey we're going to make it a state forest and you could camp there you could fish there it was absolutely beautiful because you had all this natural wildlife with black bears and florida panthers and giant everglades rat snakes and it was beautiful and it was easy to access because all the roads were paved. And if you want to camp out in a cul-de-sac, you could, it was, it was fantastic. And then the army Corps said, this is horrible. We've destroyed the flow of the Everglades in that part of Florida. So for the past 12, 15 years or so, they've been bulldozing what they already bulldozed to let nature take it back. So I don't know exactly how, how good it's going, but I was there probably six to eight months ago, and it was completely different. It was much more overgrown and more naturalistic looking. More palmetto heads came in. More cypress trees came in. But it's going to be decades or longer than that before it starts to look like it did, I guess, in the 1950s. So, 
Hmm. Actually, Justin, if you if you just scroll to your left, if you, do you go go you west, spell it. Uh, P I C Y. See if it pops up. P I C Y U N. There it is. Picayune State. Yeah. All right. See the the see the road plus sign right in, right smack dab in the middle. Go go to your right a little bit. Like right there. That's basically it. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. Wow. just bizarre it's wild man it's fascinating and morbidly depressing at the same time it is yeah, yeah. but we're, we're, we're slipping away from the tortoises sorry right. i think what's sad is how obvious it is right it's yeah it's right there google it yeah. you can yep. see that we screwed it up but we keep doing it because there's money involved well right. I, I think it's not even it, it it's not even money per se it's so many more people yeah Oof. You know, it's like so many more people and people need a place to live people need a place to to be so we got to make it for them but am i able to show photos somehow on this uh down and present maybe does it give you the option uh yeah it allows me to share my screen or show slides it's all good so we we touch on that briefly in the documentary but the Population graph on Florida from like the 19, you know, from let's say 1900 kind of moves like this. And then at like 1950, it goes boop. And we are at like 22 million people at this point yeah. in Florida. It's completely unsustainable, 100%. But they don't care yeah. because by the time it's all said and done, they'll have made their money, had their fun, and they'll be dead. So it's someone else's problem. Yep. And, yeah. and, it's, it's crazy, too, because we got the sea level rise is also eating away at our upland habitats and gopher tortoises live in sand dunes as well. So they're losing their habitat. They're being pushed closer towards humans who have developed anything close to a beach. And like it's unsustainable. It's infinite gains from finite resources and nobody cares because they won't have to deal with it. They'll be dead by the time it's a problem. Or by the time yeah. it's their problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read something that. This year, I think, like, so 2024, if you combined January, February, March, and then you also combined our pre predicted uh, September, no, uh, September, October, November, December, it'll be the biggest snowbirds year in Florida history, and it's supposed to get close to 30 million for, for that. But it, in theory, it's only temporary, right? which is right. it, it's asinine it's crazy i don't know man i don't think it is i think a lot of people are like with new york and stuff and the politics going on up there i think a lot of people are just over it and they're just leaving like yeah, well you also down by me so the old joke is if you're from the northeast you go to southeast florida if you're from the midwest you go to southwest florida so naples collier county that's all 
Minnesota, the Dakotas, Michigan, Illinois, on my coast, on the southeast, it's all New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Massachusetts. Um, and you're seeing with the onset of recession and coming out of COVID, a lot of New Yorkers who had a $350,000, $400,000 home in Long Island, and they sell it for $1.2 million. And they think, man, I got all this extra money. I'm going to move to Florida finally. False. Then they move to Florida. They say, okay, this house is 700000 when it's actually only worth three fifty. They pay it. The property tax goes up. And then we, and then we all feel the effects of it. So it, it's, it's a, a very difficult thing that myself, my friends, my community has been dealing with. But we'll make it work in some facet. We just got to keep thinking about the tortoises at least they don't bulldoze you <laughs> exactly. exactly yet <laughs> yet yet yeah that is, that is something with with turtles and tortoises in particular that i never understood because they we were talking about it a couple months ago there was a study done that showed it was fairly common for people to go out of their way on a road to hit a turtle which is really just you used to get a hunting permit. You used to be able to eat gopher tortoises in the state of Florida. Wow. Yeah, whole, I have a timeline, and I'll pull it up in a second. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you used to be able to do. I mean, for a while, there was nothing that was regulated. And then and then it was regulated, but like, not really. And that was part of it. It's going to take me a hot second, so someone else jump in. I got to find this yeah, timeline. Your man Chase is saying that Canada has 38 million as an entire country. Jeez. And Florida is at 22 million. So that's us. Yeah. So this is from 2012, but uh, a Clemson student did a, a like a study with a rubber turtle on a on a busy intersection. Really? Um, let me figure out where the numbers are. I've I've got it. Whenever you want. Yeah, Billy Jenkins says that his community is getting all the old Florida folks who are getting pushed out by snowbirds. Hmm. My grandparents are snowbirds. They love it. Where are they from? Ohio. Okay. And they're on the West coast of Florida. They are in, yeah, no East coast. They're oh, okay. in uh shoot Vero beach. Okay. Yeah, that's that's another place that was very much old Florida, Vero Beach, Jupiter, Port St. Lucie, old Florida, man. And now it is getting built up It is mm -hmm. suburbanizing itself for anybody that's uh, in that area. There's a tiki bar that is amazing. And it's in right. Sebastian, Sebastian nice. right north of Vero. Yeah, highly recommend. I found that timeline, uh, by the way, it's. Um, so in 1975, Florida listed the gopher tortoise as threatened. But in 1972, they've re regulated what is called the harvest, sale, and export. So you used to be able to harvest them for food and to use their shell and sell them out of state or wow. just in state. Like they could be kept as a pet, but you could also just collect them and eat them. And that was up until 1972, or sorry, 1975. It was a similar thing with Diamondback Terrapins, too. Like, they almost got eaten out of existence uh, up north. Yeah, man. And Turtle soup. Yep. Damn. 1975 is when we finally realized that there was a problem. It's 2024. 
And the federal government last year released a report that was 200 plus pages saying that the gopher tortoises are, and they're having a huge problem. And at the end of it, they're like, and we decline to add them to the endangered species list. Right. Uh, we, we interviewed Elise, Elise Bennett is on our, is in our documentary. I think she, she was in the trailers. Uh, she works for the center for biological diversity and they have tons of money. They're a national, maybe international company. And they go up against the federal government. You know, they have tons of lawyers and stuff. And she's one of them. Uh, she's one of the senior ones here in Florida. She's awesome. Uh, she, she was the one that helped put the first, the first uh, lawsuit against the federal government to say, you need to consider protections. Because they've been on like the, we'll check it out soon list for right. the endangered species list for, for U.S. Fish and Wildlife for a long time. So finally, she she helped part of them or the team put put forward a um, uh, the the lawsuit, and so the federal government was like, okay, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a species assessment, and so they took a while. They did a species assessment, and then we were just as we were making this documentary, Elise was like, it's coming. We don't know when, but it might change the story a little bit. Um, I've I've got my wonderful wife dropping off some beer real quick. Thank you, thank you very much. Um. So as we were making this, we were like, well, is there any point? Because if the federal government's like, like drops this bomb, they're like, by the way, Florida, it's on the endangered species list now. That would force Florida to stop like relocating them mm -hmm. in some ways. It would have, it would force them to pick a whole bunch of habitat, like a specific amount of habitat, a lot of it that they would have to conserve specifically for gopher tortoises. It, it would change the laws in Florida and all of our protections very quickly. And we were all excited about that. In fact, Chase and I and the crew were like sending out emails like, hey, you know, to all of our friends, when this decision comes out, we're going to send it to you and we want you to record your reaction. We're going to potentially put it on the documentary. And we didn't get enough to do that, but we didn't get enough videos to do that. But when they dropped it, we were like, like, wait. This is a 250 page document that says gopher tortoises are fucked. And at the end it said, but that's okay. So they actually, so just to be fair, they're they're They split into two ranges, right? There's the Eastern and the Western. We're part of the Eastern range of gopher tortoises. Mm -hmm. And in the Eastern range, they were just like, no, in the Western range, they put protections on them, which is good. Which is great. Which which I think is wild because so many people in my area, whether they're herpers or not, they're they're just people who like to jog in the morning, right? They most people know or they assume that gophers are protected and you don't touch them, you don't mess with them, you don't do anything to them. And and you know, I I used to work at a pet shop and they get phone calls all the time. Hey, there's a gopher tortoise in my yard. I know it's not supposed to be there can i pick it up you know should i should i move it is there someone who like a wildlife person that should come people assumed it was protected but they are protected but they're <clears throat> you're they're what's interesting is they're protected from you they're right. protected from average citizens they are not protected from but developers they actually like them and want them to be around yeah yeah it's insane and so that that pissed me off but that really pissed off the Center for Biological Diversity. So they sued the federal government again. And they said, this is this is messed up. And the federal government, I think we're still in the waiting period for a response.
but they are now being forced to once again reconsider what is going on. So uh, huge kudos at the beginning of the podcast for all the FWC people for on the ground, boots on the ground. Got to throw out a huge kudo to all the people who are smart enough to pass the bar and use their experience and knowledge to give. Can I can I give the middle finger on a podcast? Is that I mean to basically yeah. flip the bird to the federal government and say, no, 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 no. This is not OK. Uh, I absolutely adore everything that they do. And so hopefully we'll see a change in the future. But like after what has happened, I don't have a lot of, of faith in the system. But there are people out there. There is this is not we've been talking about doom and gloom the entire time. This isn't over. There are ways to fix this, but I don't think it's going to happen in Florida. I think it has to come at the federal level before we're going to make the changes that we need to protect the habitat, not just the tortoises, but the habitat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Patrick said it's jail time in Alabama if you even pick one up, uh, you know, and move it off the road. Um, I don't know what the laws are here in South Carolina. I know like they're they're protected and you're you're not supposed to mess with them. I believe I don't know to the extent of what it is. We don't. Ha- I know up in so like in Ridgeland, I think they actually have a gopher tortoise festival. Like the gopher tortoise thing is is a big big deal there like people like them i guess it's like the town mascot kind of thing um we don't have them here on the island i think i'm too close to the coast for for us to have them um but i mean if you see one in south carolina here in this in our in my area in the low country like that's it's kind of a big deal like they're not super common they're not they're not something you see on a regular basis i think you kind of have to be in certain spots to really come across them um but i know a lot of people, you know, a lot of our friends down in Florida, Phil, you know, they're out herping. They they send pictures of them and stuff all the time, which I think is really cool. You know, if I had one of those in my backyard, man, that'd be, you'd be living it up. You'd yeah, get to hook right. up on all kinds of kinds of greens and stuff. So yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. There are a lot of people. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups after all the research I've done. I'm in a ton of Facebook groups. And there are Facebook groups just just like solely dedicated to gopher tortoises in a specific backyard in this near a specific park in like a random city, uh, Lehigh Acres. I don't even yeah. know where that is. It's somewhere <laughs> yeah. in Florida. Mm-hmm. And there's just people like, yeah, we love gopher tortoises. And here we are. Yep. And they just take pictures and it's awesome. And they share links to p- things like our documentary and things like laws that are changing. And people love these animals so much. And that was one of the most overwhelming things when I jumped into this story was like the support from everybody. Mm-hmm. Every single person I talked to was like, wait, you let, you're going to tell the story. Holy crap. Like when I did the Springs, people love the Springs, but it's a small community of people who are actively in conservation for our water, which is crazy. Cause like we needed to live. I don't understand that. Yeah. But when I reached out to people about the gopher tortoise thing, I have so much information from them. It's like flowing out of my ears. My Google drive is a mess full of (laughs) documents and pictures and videos. And I couldn't believe the, the resounding, please help us from the community when I reached out and it's honestly overwhelming at the moment and like anxiety inducing because I'm not telling the story of a problem in Florida. I'm telling the story of everybody the hundreds of thousands of people who love these animals and want to see changes 
but they don't know how, or they're just screwed by a system that they think is in place to help them, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And that load has been eased by the people who have been willing to help because there are like Chase, super knowledgeable and Lauren and, and Elise and Kim, like they, they know what they're talking about. So I know I'm not going to screw it up too royally, but it's still, it's a lot because people don't just like think they're cool. Like they're unique in Florida. They are. Yeah. Like people like bears, people like Panthers, they're cool. People like the Eagles. And they, there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff in Florida that are absolutely beautiful. But gopher tortoises touch people's heart in a way that I did not understand or recognize until I started to reach out to people. And they were like, I'll give you anything you want, anything. If you need it, I'll make it happen. I love these animals. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just talking about the documentary right now. I haven't decided to make it yet. And then I met Chase and I was like, yeah, I'm going to make it. <laughs> so. Can I can I introduce him a little bit on here for a sec? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. So for those of you that don't know Chase, uh, he's part of the he he runs the Ashton Biological Preserve, which is uh, southwest, a little southwest of Gainesville, Florida. Um, so it's pretty close to UF, like thirty minutes, and and it's a beautiful place where he manages like many many. Tell tell us how many acres uh, in the chat, if you would, Chase, um, of conservation area, and it's got tons of wildlife. It's undeveloped, and Without him and what he does, first of all, like I wouldn't have been as inspired to do this story because when he he was basically like, we all know this needs to be told, but we don't know how to tell it because we're busy doing the work that needs to be right. done. But we can't continue doing this work if nobody knows. Mm -hmm. So he's like grabbing by the like, you know, on the phone, he grabbed me by the shirt collar. He's like, please help. And um, he he inspired me to finally make make the choice to be like, yeah, this needs to be told. And then at the same time, he's helping me walk through all these really intricate parts that I need to know and need to tell some of them. And I don't know, like for anybody, you guys all, a lot of you guys own reptiles, right? And you, you like wildlife. Try to imagine a structured scripted show based on your animals. Where are they going to cooperate when you want them to cooperate? As you want them to cooperate? Absolutely not. I mean, so the, green, out, the green trees will, because the green trees are just going to sit there and not do yeah. anything. You know? <laughs> but for the most part, like animals don't care. They're doing yeah. their thing out in the wild. Right. So we, uh, we spent three days filming in five cities and we knew that that was okay. Even though normally in a wildlife documentary, you're like, all right, six months is our minimum for trying to get the wildlife footage that we need. We knew we were okay because of chase because he had a wide open area of natural land, which he's saying is uh, 1400, about 1400, protecting 1600, assisting. And, but he also has the wave tortoises that, you know, he's, he's helped uh, rehab and, and rescue. So we got what we needed in a big way on the first day within the first hour. Uh, so yeah, people love these animals like you wouldn't believe. And without the community telling us where we needed to go and how we needed to do this, it mm -hmm. would not have happened. And that's one of the things that makes me most excited is because when I released this documentary, I know that the community, people like you, everybody that's listening to this podcast will love it specifically because it's your story. Because mm -hmm. the people that have helped me tell it made sure that I'm telling it right because they care just like everybody else. So I sure I got a soapbox for a minute there, but that, that 
is one of the reasons why I ended up telling this story because not a single person that I talked to, even like my person that was down the hall and I talked to her about a lot of stuff, but never about tortoises. She was like, I love them so much. They're in my backyard. Can I get footage? Yeah. Wait, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this location. And every single person was just in love with them. So it's, it's the story of gopher tortoises and the hundreds of thousands of people who care about them. Well, I mean, if you have some living like in your backyard, you know, there's almost like a sense of of ownership to a degree, not in like the traditional sense, but like mm -hmm. you have an attachment to it, you know. There's yeah, and they're cute, they're funny, they're goofy, they do yeah, stupid. How anybody stupid could, could just bury those alive is just yes, really sick. I gotta I gotta warn everybody. I, I should probably put this at the beginning of the documentary. You will see tortoises in their burrows, and what it's well we discuss entombment. And although we do not get footage of you know entombed tortoises, because that's not what we're about. It's pretty intense because yeah. the I, I we talked about this at length many, many times. Do we want to make people hurt? Do we want to make them excited to help or do we want to make them hurt to get there? A balance and we decided, kind of say it again. So there's kind of a balance you got to you got to strike to you know, get the message yeah. across. And yeah, we don't want so many tears that you can't watch the documentary like your eyes are full, but we decided that it's important to show the dark part of what's going on because that's what gets people motivated. But at the same time, I have a massive Google drive folder with tons of pictures and videos of the most terrible things that like made me want to vomit that have happened to go for tortoises, pictures from rescuers and from news articles of things that people have done that I decided not to put in the documentary because it hurt me just to read the article. Um, we do not show the really disgusting stuff in the documentary because that, that what you're saying, we, you're right. We got to find that middle ground where we can make you understand how bad it is without showing you how bad it is. Yeah. I think we did it well. You don't see anything that's going to make you vomit. Uh, but at the same time, you will see things that might make you cry. Yeah. The uh, chase was saying the South Carolina population. Uh, let me scroll back here. Has a small southern population, which would be in my my corner of the state. Um, the genetics have dropped below ten percent of the their original population. Mm. He said he has to check this, but he he believes that's on point. Which is, is wild. it's interesting that they have that that research and that knowledge because in Florida we don't have a lot of that. Yeah, that's another thing that blew my mind is like the FWC doesn't do research on gopher tortoises to the extent that you would expect for a threatened species. Mm-hmm that they've listed as threatened and they don't do the research on like, what are the effects of this system that we put in place where we're just carting tortoises away within a hundred miles of where they originally were. It's crazy. They don't do research on how effective the relocation program is. They don't talk about it. They don't do it. It's crazy. Well, I mean, if it's anything like box turtles, like they're screwed. Yeah. Like you're well, supposed I think to it's because they know it's not effective. They know it's not good. You take yeah. one, like we were talking about what the mycoplasma earlier, like mm. you take one tortoise with mycoplasma, you ship them a hundred miles up. Now you've got another community with mycoplasma. Like we're not, there's no, the, the holding period was waived by a, by a developers on the commission and, and like a Senator, like the holding period is really important to make sure we don't have sick tortoises. And they were just like, forget about it. And we, I guess we haven't talked about that yet, but there, there was an executive order uh, a few years ago because 
the relocation program for gopher tortoises relocates a lot of tortoises to private places. There's not a lot of state locations where you can like house these tortoises. There were private people who said, I'm going to keep my land for conservation and allow you to put tortoises on it. And they could charge whatever they wanted. And so the, the price started to get like four or five, six thousand dollars per tortoise. And because the people paying that money are developers and they're all commissioners and one of them is a senator, that senator then pushed legislation to release a lot of that. But before that, the executive order came down from the FWC and the executive order basically said, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're requiring you to do that are really good for the tortoises. Don't do it anymore. And we, wow. we lightly touch on that. We show the documentation in the documentary, but that executive order was had nothing to do with the tortoises. It yeah. wasn't even a disguise. It just was like, the price is getting too high. So we're gonna just release the protections on the tortoises so you can develop. Wow. And you know what? I don't know if it's safe to just call. Are you guys okay if I just call out the developer on the Senate right here? Is that okay? Have I had too I much? Mean... <laughs> okay, let me say this. Doesn't matter to me. There is a company called the Hudson Company. And they are a development company. And they might have someone who's part of that company is a senator. And he may have pushed through without any pushback legislation that removes protections for gopher tortoises. The Hudson Company. H-U-T-S-O-N. Google it. There. I did it without saying his name. <laughs> Chase also said, well over 100,000 tortoises permitted to be entombed between 1991 and 2007. State mm -hmm. made around 82 million through the incidental take permits. So the incidental take permits is the permit that you get when you want to entomb a tortoise. That was what we were talking about earlier. And I should have used the term ITP, incidental take permit. So it was, you know, a permit that was like, yeah, do whatever you want. Kill them. Crazy. And they made 82 million. And Chase was telling me earlier that here's another thing for the FWC for all of my FWC friends. I'm so sorry for what you have to deal with because they're well underfunded, very underfunded. So Chase was telling me that all the Panther conservation that happens through the FWC happens. It's, it's funded by the license plates. They don't really? actually have allocated funding for Panther protection. It's just well, whatever comes in from the license plate sales. I think it's interesting that of considering how, people love the cute and cuddly critters, right? That's It's all about cute and cuddly. If it's not cute and cuddly, they don't give a crap about it, which is great because, thank God, tortoises are cute and cuddly. Um, and that was not sarcasm. I was being genuine in that. Uh, so the average roadkill of the Florida panther is about 30 or so a year. But the preserve, which is on the highway where they get waffled, at any given time has about 50 cats in it. So maybe there's some kind of like th that was my biggest thing is I understand that you have only have so much land that you can allocate to preserve, right? But why just stick it next to one of the busiest highways in the in the state? It just didn't yeah. make sense to me. It just doesn't, it just it didn't just did doesn't jive. Um I have a, a video of one trying to attack my shoes, if you don't mind if I share it. 
A politician? <laughs> no, a, a, a tortoise. A tortai. Yeah, where is it? I'm trying to... Are you window? sending it to me or are you putting it up? No, I was going to put it up because it's, oh, okay. it, it won't... I was trying to send it to you, but it won't... Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Because I have an Apple product and I can do this. I'm going to send it from the computer to you, even though it's on my phone, but it won't... For whatever reason, it won't load on my phone. So stand by. Let me find you. <clears throat> That's a cute picture. Who took that, that little, little boulder with legs? Yeah. Who took that picture? That's me. I took that photo. Nice. Yep. That was uh, back in September. Tortoises are so dumb. And I, I say that in the most loving way. But there's, they've got so much character. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like them so much. They're so goofy. They do the dumbest yeah. stuff. But they're so lovable. Look at him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? For those of you who want to see, I call it tortoise porn. It is the we got some of the most incredible footage from our cinematographers uh, of baby tortoises, and it there. I mean, they're you know they're this big. It is the most. It's just like it does a thing for my heart that most things cannot do. It makes me so happy, and I put so much of it in the film because I didn't want this to be all doom and gloom. And we share a lot of that footage, the best footage of the tortoises, because they're so cute and stumbling around trying to eat stuff that won't fit in their mouth. Uh, absolutely <laughs> yeah. love these. They're so they're such characters. Here, I think I got it. I'm trying to. Where are you sending it? I'm trying to send it to. Oh, you, can you hear that limpkin? Is that what is that? What the hell's a limpkin? I do hear that. That's a limpkin in my backyard. Who I is love limpkins. Declaring his love for someone. For snails, probably. Probably for snails. How do you... This is so horrible. I'm trying to get this video, and it's a stupid video anyway. Chase um, just pointed out that 20% of the panther population was killed in 2016 by cars. Like, that's... Yeah, there you go. Come on. Smitty, can we share a... I'm trying to share this video on the computer because it won't send to you. But I can't get it in the uh, the the present. It won't. Uh, it only wants me to do it in Chrome tab. That's annoying. I'm just going to share my entire screen. screen. Okay. Share. Do we need to cover our eyes for part of this? No. Oh, <laughs> matrix. Yep. Let me find going on. photos. Hold on. Where's my photos? Here's my photos. hide this okay photos can you guys see the see this here yeah you can make it if you make it bigger like you expand the window on your on your screen it'll do it on there too okay there you go like that okay yep. just trying to see what i'm oh god it's showing everything jesus here all right you see the tortoise my computer's there we go all right yep look at him go and we we attempted song. we attempted to give this guy some some food and he was like trying to murder my shoes <laughs> and it like <laughs> I, we and we never touched him we just like handed out some grass and he was like screw you and the car that you came in 
So, but yes, there's a yeah, the tortai. I think yeah, I can. I, can I share my screen? I you should I be able to. Yeah, you I should be able from to. earlier present share screen. It'll give you a tab option or a window option, depending on what, what we're okay. Doing. I would so, love to see one here in my area, man, because they are really cool. I've never I've never seen them. But there's your Florida population graph. Can you see that? Is that working right? I'm adding it right now. There we go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's the problem here. It's unsustainable. Yep. And that's an exponential increase. And like, what are we going to do? There's no way to get away from that. That's 2020, by the way. That's four years ago. So we are in trouble. Yeah. All right. If I hit stop screen, will I ruin it? What's happening? Nope. There we go. And I mean, that's, it's just, I don't, like, what's it going to take for them to realize, like, they don't care. We're out of space. Like, we're a revolution. It's going to take a documentary that makes everybody stand up and go, nope. Not anymore. Yeah, but the problem is the majority of people in um, uh, the majority of people in society don't care about a, about a tortoise or any of the they don't care about any animals, period. They don't. They don't comprehend that everything is connected. They don't comprehend how the food gets on their table. They they don't care. Nor will they ever. You know what I mean? And you spend one day walking around, I mean, I don't know, downtown Miami, and you do like street interviews and say, do, do you know there's tortoises in Florida? And they're going to, what's a tortoise? Maybe maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Sad but, but true. Sad but true. Yeah. I mean, you've already seen the, the videos and reels and stuff of the, them asking people to point out Alaska on a freaking map. Yeah. And most yeah. of you can't do it. You know, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, they, they ask the they ask the oh, kid on the street. Cute. Yeah, they, they go to a university and they say, Who fought in this in the American Civil War? And they go, Japan. Mexico? Was it, <laughs> was it, was it Mexico? Yep. But you know what? In in this in my research, I found, you know, an insane amount of people that do care. And and I think people right now are frustrated, especially in the US, right? There's I mean, there's polarization, so we're frustrated politically. Yeah. They're, financial problems who are frustrated monetarily. And so people want somewhere to direct their anger and frustration. And God damn it. If I can make this documentary, that thing that points them where they can direct it, I will be so happy because yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Like the, there are so many, so many incredible shots from our cinematographers and the tortoises don't even need that. Right. You just grab your iPhone and they are amazing. They're super cute, but we did it much better than that. And so I think when your average person who's like, oh, I don't really care too much, they will once they get halfway through this documentary and when they finish it, they're going to be angry and they're yeah. going to want to do something. Yeah. And well, I wish there was more to do, but we gave everything that we could. Yeah. I think it's great. I think you have great timing with this as well. Uh, for those of people who are unaware, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but there, there's a younger guy. I'm going to call him a kid. He's in his 20s um, who just put out a, a few small He's a videographer. He's a naturalist uh, on the Rimrock habitat in Miami that's next to the Miami Zoo or Zoo Miami, whatever they call it. 
and Lucas something or other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's amazing. He, he he got it. He got him to stop building the water park. Yeah, and that's fantastic because I'm sure there's tons of people that want a water park, apropos named Miami Wild, which they're just bulldozing all of the last of the of the wild, so to speak. But so many people saw his videos and were touched by it that they they stopped it, and hopefully, I'm sure that you your timing with this couldn't have been better because it's already in people's minds if yeah. that makes sense that's where i was driving with this that's good to know because i wanted this thing to be out a year ago and here we are yeah i started it in 2022 and we were hoping to have it out in a year and it's been two i mean that's that's what you get when everyone is a volunteer but yeah. still i'm glad that you feel like it's timely because i hope yeah. you're right because yeah. I, I wanted it earlier and maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe we needed to wait until now and maybe I need to reach out to him on Instagram and be like, bro, help us promote this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I think I might send it to him and see what he thinks about it. Yeah, you should. You really should. Something that I do, I think about fairly regularly is like how easy it is for people to do things that at one point were, were damn near impossible without a massive budget and without, agents and people that are in the right places for distribution yeah. and things like that. Like podcasts. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. When yeah. I was in college studying Wild. how to do film, something that filmed in 4k was like, like it was on my shoulder and that was only 15 years ago. Like the size yeah. of a small car. You're right. It's crazy. Yeah. His, uh, that kid's name is Luke, Lu uh, Luca. It's Luca Martinez. He's 19 years old and he's a conservation filmmaker and speaker. You know so, what yeah. I love about his stuff he is wasn't... it's so real. Like he's not polished. Yeah. He's not, he's not a I, I don't say he's a bad speaker. He's not like a politician like speaker. He he's not good on camera. He's just himself. He's a real person. Yeah. yeah. And you feel that you you're like, okay, well, this kid is not a television personality. Right. He's just a dude who cares. And he kicked ass. And I hope you're right. When we release this, people are gonna, hopefully going to get that same feeling. And I think uh, it's I think it's important to note. Someone asked in the comments, "Do you have a distributor, Lisa?" We do not have a distributor. We are working with a company that might be airing this on their TV channel, but this was not created for for monetary gain. This will be on YouTube. We are going to have some like private screenings. Oh, they won't be private. They'll be open, but there'll be like small screenings around the state of Florida. Um, the Sierra club in different chapters are going to help us out with that. Um, Florida Springs Institute, I think might do it. We've got a couple of breweries that are going to potentially show it. And then it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be there for everybody. And just like Luca did where he blasted it on all his social media accounts and he made it open so that anybody could share it. We will do the same thing and we won't make a penny from it. Most likely yeah. um, any, honestly though, any money that does come back to us, will probably donated. Some of it will go to pay our, our people that worked really, really hard to make this happen. Sure, Not sure. much, but at least a little bit. Um, Cause it's been two years, you know, some of the, yeah, some of the crew deserves a little bit, but for the most part, yeah, we're going to take everything we get from this and put it right back into conservation. And it's not going to go to the FWC. It's going to go it's going to yeah. go to other places that do conservation for gopher tortoises. That's great, man. Absolutely great. Yeah, I wish I knew more about the ecology of the species overall. Um, you know, not only in in 
sort of the small population here in my area, but also, you know, down South and even the species out West, um, you know, I, as much as I, I do love them, I, I have to say, I don't know a ton as far as the, the natural history of them and, and, you know, what populations look like in terms of, uh, you know, clutches and survival rate of, of babies and things like that. Um, so maybe if, if Chase is down, I'd have to do a, an episode there. I'm Absolutely. Curious. God, if you guys get Chase, Chase is just like an explosion of knowledge. And I did not expect that. And he, he does Chase, Chase worked his ass off all day today. And here he is in the comments sharing more knowledge. And then later tonight, he's going to probably do more conservation work and then probably get up early tomorrow before the sunrise and continue. I don't know if I've ever met someone who has as much energy and knowledge as him. And the documentary would have not have happened without him. So yeah, if you guys get him on, um, be ready for just every single rabbit hole to be completely and thoroughly examined. Well, that's our first mission. Our first mission is for us to stop using the term rabbit hole and switch to tortoise oh. bro or tur oh. tort tortoise hole. <laughs> <laughs> I love it that. Doesn't, it doesn't sound as good, but the, 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 the mindset's there. <laughs> yeah. I many... Go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. I was going to ask how many, um, you know, when you guys actually got to the, the various locations where you were finding the tortoises, you know, were you finding a decent number of them? Was it just a handful of individuals? Sort of what was the. Um, so we went when we went to film at Ashton Biological Preserve where Chase is, um, we, you know, we only found the ones that he had. Um, and then we moved on. We moved down to uh, Tampa. We went to, I want to say, uh, Whedon, Whedon Island is where we filmed with somebody down there. There were tortoises everywhere. They were in the parking lot. They were on the pathways. They were hanging out in their <laughs> burrows. And they were, I mean, they were all over the place. It was absolutely fantastic. And we went to another little park in Tampa. Uh, we didn't film there because we found out that there was a shooting range. Uh, so we couldn't film interviews with gunshots going off in the background. Um, hashtag like filmmaker fail. Uh, but we found a whole bunch of them there too. And what was weird there is they, they, it was a very small park, very mm -hmm. small. And they were all over the place interacting. What was the with, name of it again? Oh man. So we, we did an Island W E E D O N is one okay. where we filmed a little bit where we filmed some other saw, sawgrass Lake park. That was okay. it. Sawgrass Lake. It's really cool, but it's small, but they were gopher tortoises all over the place. And like, it's, it was weird to see us, I, I said to one of the cinematographers, "Is like, just walk down that trail like a hundred yards and see if you can get some cool shots of the habitat." And he comes back, he's like, "Let's go, everybody, bring your camera, we're going." And there's just, there's like a tortoise right there hanging out on the pathway that is used by bikers, and like, there was a neighborhood across the way, and like there were just tortoises all over the place. And I mean, Tampa's covered in tortoises. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and Boyd Hill is another one. Um, Boyd has not directly supported us, but I've had some. I, I, I want to say their name because I think you should check them out because they have really good people over there that have supported us a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's no, we, we, we got lucky to be honest. There was a little bit rain in our last day when we went to Orlando area, but we found tortoises there too. So yeah, they, they're out and about and that here's something really sad. That place that we went and filmed with Kim, you're going to see her 
we walk around and we show burrows, we show some insects and uh, interacting with them. And uh, it's going to be gone soon. They're paving it for a park. Wow. Not all of it, but most of it. And I wish the documentary wasn't so close to being finished that I couldn't, that I couldn't put that in there. But I think it's important to mention that like it's happening. It's happening quick. These places are disappearing. And um, I hope you're right about the timing, but I really wish we could have gotten this out a little bit earlier. <laughs> if yeah. I had a budget of a hundred grand, it would have been out a year ago. The uh, I will mention this on the, the gun range thing. There's a gun range by me that has a pretty, pretty good gopher tortoise population. And that's cool. There's signs up that says, you know, do not shoot the tortoises, blah, blah, blah. Cause they get, they get a <laughs> lot of people. Florida. Yeah. They get a lot of people from, from down South of me that, that don't know what a tortoise is. And, uh, and when you go to the gun range, you have to give them your driver's license and all your information. You got to sign waivers and liability and all that. So they have all your information. And, uh, if a tortoise happens to walk out on the gun range, cause they're, they're immune to the sound. Like they don't care. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, they'll cease fire. They'll call the range cold, a range, a range guy or run out there, pick them up, run them across the range, put them on the other side. And then they go, <laughs> okay, keep going. Everybody shoot again. And basically if you, if you do shoot one, they will fully press charges against you. And they, cause they have all your information and they will throw the book at you. So I, I do think that that's pretty awesome. I love yeah, it. as they should. Yeah. But I mean, whoever the whoever the range range officer is, it's going out there and grabbing. He's taking a pretty big risk just by going <laughs> out freaking range with with people that are likely to be morons. Yeah, I hope he gets yeah. paid enough. <laughs> He's yeah, right. But yeah, man, this has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for being willing to like talk about it because I, I know that people love it. Right. But it's kind of dangerous because the entire system is set against us. Like Florida, e even in Florida has like constantly tried to remove the ability for citizen petitions to make it to the ballot. And they were very successful a few years ago. And so it's incredibly hard to change the laws in Florida because they don't want you to. Yeah. Because they want to I do mean, whatever the hell they want. We've already seen that with, with pets and exotics and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Florida is constantly under some sort of just barrage of legislation, either statewide or, or, you know, locally. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's exhausting. It's awesome that everyone's still willing to, to, get up and and do something about it but yeah but you know what's frustrating man. i'm sorry i don't want to cut you off Keep going. no you're good you're good so i've been watching like it was impossible for me to, to pay, not pay attention to the gopher tortoise stuff and realize what's going on with you guys with the captive breeders and people who just enjoy animals and as pets uh i have watched a lot of meetings with the fwc and people speaking on what they care about Way too many hours of it I've watched. Uh, I fell asleep once, to be honest. But <laughs> what I have seen as a trend is that they give you the time of the day and they allow you to speak and they do nothing based on it, what you it's, say. It's a and, legal formality. It's, yep. Yes, right? And and that's that's – I don't want to say that people shouldn't continue to speak up because you're on camera. It is – in the documentary, you will see parts of that from the Florida channel. It's publicly available. 
And that's important. That's incredibly important. People need to continue to speak up. But these commissioners, the seven of them, they have no reason to care about what you say. They get paid whether or not these animals are protected. They get these positions because they're connected. It doesn't matter what you think. It's all political. It's all for their own benefit. They're not qualified. They're not required to be qualified. And really, in the end, that's in the Constitution, and there's no way to change it. When I say no way, I don't mean 100%. Like, it's possible, right? But Florida keeps fighting against it. They keep because they don't want the politicians don't give a shit about you. They're happy that they convinced you to maybe vote for them and then you're done. And they're only going to give you the time of day when it gets them reelected. And these commissioners, they're not even elected, so they don't care at all. There's zero percent of the time where they care about you. They're going to do whatever who put them in that position says to do. So in the end, it really comes down to a massive and I do mean massive wave of people saying hell no to make this system change. And Luca was able to do that for a small thing that was happening down in Florida. And I am so excited that he did because he showed that it's possible. But what we need to do for gopher tortoises is so much bigger than that, that we need everybody who cares an inch about that tortoise shell to speak up because we need to change the constitution. These people need to be held accountable. And when the governor, the governor is the only person that they're hold they're held accountable to nothing's going to change. He does whatever he wants because he's also getting money. So it needs to be tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people saying, absolutely not. We cannot lose this tortoise and we cannot lose its habitat. And we're going to change the constitution to make sure that it happens. And so it, it almost seems insurmountable, but it's not. And Luca just proved that. Yeah. And you guys proving that right now by allowing us to, speak to you have over a thousand subscribers um and whoever ends up watching this like we're all talking about it and the film's not even out yet so thank you for letting us talk about it more and we need to continue to do so until the politicians are scared and i know that they are because we have some insider scoops i can't talk about that just i don't want to get us in trouble but they know they know the documentary is there they know it's coming and they know what it's going to do because they watched what happened to luca with Luca. So we're going to make it happen. And wasn't it a, uh, a bat species that he, he found there? that was one of the things that he pushed really hard for was to protect yeah. the bat species. Yeah. 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 And that, which is mind blowing, right? Most people don't care about bats. In yeah. fact, they are scared of bats, but the tortoise is super lovable and cute. So I think we're going to have a big impact and I really hope yeah. we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. I think we're just at a point where where people are just they're tired, like they you know they're they're realizing that the the government as a whole is just completely full of shit and and mm-hmm. clearly don't don't care you know what what the people that they represent want. Yeah, and I'd encourage people, anybody anybody that has anything to do with politics don't make this a partisan issue. Yeah, this is not about not, Democrats versus versus Republicans. Not at all. You, you no, well said. Well said. It's about developers versus the rest of us. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, w- that was something that was really hard to do in the documentary, but w- I think we did it really well. You don't see any sort of partisan politics involved. Yeah. And anybody that's watching this, yeah, talk to your friends. Don't ask about, don't talk, don't talk about the governor. Don't mention it. Just say these people aren't elected. Nobody holds yeah, them accountable. And let me, let me just say this too. As, as a Floridian, it is irrelevant 
as to who, let me rephrase this. It is irrelevant as to what political party the current or previous governors have aligned themselves with. They're all in the same boat. They're all in the take on this topic. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Republican, Democrat, or in the case of several Florida governors, they've switched between the two, depending on the, the year. They're all in the take on this topic. That's it. Yeah. I had a guy, um, when I was making my first documentary, there was a guy who came into our, our studio when we were editing and he was, uh, an investment manager for some, this was Palm beach where we were editing. So yeah. he was an investment dude for like billionaires. And we were talking, ended up talking about politics. And I was like, what, what do you vote? Like, what's your stance? He goes, I said, are you red or are you blue? He goes, Oh, I'm not. I'm green. He's green. Part of the green party. Yeah. And not like, you know, that Green Party is part of the money. And that's the thing here. It's not. It doesn't matter what governor you have. It doesn't matter what who who is the party in charge of the the, the Senate and the House. It's it's all about the money. Yep. And yep. if we if we stand up and say, forget about that uh, and we do it as a whole, we can change it. I'll also chime in with one thing of of I've been to several commission meetings where they give us the people a a split second to voice our thoughts even though it is irrelevant to them. And I see a lot of our community hesitant to voice themselves or to be known or to be seen or in the spotlight, myself included, because they don't want to be on the radar. Mm. And, and I've stopped myself a lot of times because I'm like, you know what? Uh, I don't want to be on the radar. I'm not on the radar right now. I'm a good boy. I don't want to be on some metaphorical list. Right. And, because of that the people that are willing to speak are not always the ones who should be speaking yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i will say this if you feel that you should speak i say go for it but just be prepared that if powers to be don't necessarily like what you're saying or agree with it there may be physical and metaphorical ramifications of that but I, I do think that we we're at a point now where more people should speak up about the topics that they're passionate about because we're all thinking the same thing. So there, yeah. there, there's my two cents on that. Can you imagine if they have a meeting about this in the future to talk about gopher tortoises and like 2000 people show up? Yeah, but the problem is and this is this is something else, too. And uh, our good friend Tyler Brooks, who has the ability Tortuga to Fontana. He has the ability to take off from work and go to these meetings, whether it be in Pensacola or Miami or Tampa or Jacksonville or wherever. But they always schedule these meetings on a Tuesday at two in the afternoon, 2000 miles away from the populace. Right. Yep. And that is that's a major issue to the point where there was one time they were doing venomous legislation in 2014. And my good friend Michael and I, we drove up to St. Augustine from South Florida. I got a hotel room for us because it was going to be I, I, we didn't know when we were going to be able to speak or if we were going to be able to speak. And they had a good turnout. They probably had maybe 100 people show up for this venomous topic. And they only let like eight or nine people speak. And they all basically said the same thing the entire panel of people kind of just rolled their eyes and said, all right, next person, right? Your, your 60 seconds is up. And I spent hundreds of dollars and took time off from work for nothing. 
because they already had their mind made up. And literally four months later, the laws were changed exactly how they said they were going to change them. And I'm telling people this not to be a Debbie Downer or a glass half full and say, it's not worth it, don't go. In that instance, it wasn't worth it, but we still did it. And I think it would have been worse had there only been 20 people in there opposed to the 100 that did show up. So I say, if you can go to the meetings, go to the meetings. If you feel like you have something to say, way out if it's worth it, right? And say it if you if you want to. That's just, that's, again, another two cents. Even though it doesn't feel like you're making a difference when we do stuff like that, it, it really does. Yeah, it does. Because the, it, it gets people it's a, thinking, it's a collection. Right? It's a collection of all of us and what, we, what we're willing to say. And I feel like a lot of people get jaded and disappointed because like exactly what you just said, right? They said it, they don't yeah. care, but that stuff is documented. And if they see it time after time after time, then they have to start paying attention eventually because they know there will be a political ramification. Right. And I've been places where they're like, they, they've actually had to change the venue because so many people showed up yeah that they couldn't even hold all the people in the room and when that stuff starts to happen they it, it's an inconvenience for them and the inconvenience is where the change starts we have to let them know that we're we're going to make we're going to put tax on the chairs because they're not allowed to sit down until they fix this and so it's the small stuff that is always helpful don't get jaded keep keep pushing in the small ways share the link to this podcast on facebook that in itself is huge. Like you yeah. share these links, you share the documentary, you talk to people, you chat, like make this go viral. And once it does, change will come. Yeah. And and I'll also chime in too with just to add to what you're saying, we're talking about tortoises, right? But you know, you and Chase mentioned with 365 other species. So, so I think you said it was 400 plus. 400 plus, okay, four four eleven or something, right? Yeah. So when we talk about gopher tortoise burrows, if, if you're a bug guy or you're a plant girl or you're a, a bird guy, like it's all tied together. And like we talk about gopher tortoises, we talk about indigo snakes, we talk about eastern diamondbacks, talk about the gopher frog, talk about marsh rabbits, like all these individual species that live in this whole thing. It's not just about the tortoises. So if you're an amphibian person, Go Google gopher frog and tell me how freaking cool that thing is. They're and in the dock. We found one. Excellent. Awesome. It's on my, it's on my list to see, man. That's so cool. That's, that's, you're blessed to see one. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I think so, that's a, that's a big, big factor in it too. Cause I mean, we were looking at, at when they were trying to put legislation in place that was across the board, not just herps, but like fish and other exotic stuff. You know, obviously there's, there's a much bigger demographic when we have, more pets and other things species involved you know so that i think made a big big dent when that that legislation was on the table um and i'm sure it's similar to this where it's like you have people birders you know in particular and and uh you know other naturalists and stuff that that see that this is a chain reaction type of thing um you know that definitely definitely helps get more people in the in the room yeah there's there are several species of I don't know if it's ground orchids or it might be some kind of I, I want to say it's a type of ground orchid 
where mm-hmm. it doesn't bloom like a traditional, you know, stalked orchid like you'd see at Home Depot, right? It they're these little tiny silver dollar sized orchids that are on rocks and sand, and they only live in gopher tortoise habitat because the gopher tortoises are tilling that sand yeah. and rejuvenating the soil and, and aerating it and stuff. So if you're a plant person, get on board with the tortoises. It, it, there's so much there that we need to keep an eye on because it's going away. <sighs> yeah. On our website, there will be a link to send an email to your, to your representatives, spam them, <laughs> spam the hell out of their inboxes. Give them a call. Let them know. Call them every day at 9 a.m. Because you know they'll be in the office at that point. Yeah. When is the, uh, is there a planned, uh, a release date on the horizon? Ouch. Um, I wish. <laughs> that question hurts every time. Um, we had, yeah, we just had a minor setback. So it's done. The doc, the story is done. We have a picture lock. We're not editing any of that. But we want to, this needs to be professional. Um, so we're spending a lot of time making sure the color and the audio are very good so that it looks beautiful, like Disney plus level kind of stuff. I said that because of Path of the Panther, uh, but we want it to look very, very good. Um, and so we just hit a small setback with some technological stuff, but spring I'm hoping I wanted it to be this month, but I think it might be next. Um, and we will be blasting it on, uh, we have Gopher Games Film on Instagram, Gopher Games Film on G- at Gmail, Gopher Games Film on Facebook, and you can, and YouTube. Um, and so we will make sure to post it everywhere. And then we'll have those screenings around the state. If you want to go to one and support, it would be amazing. And anybody who wants to host their own screening, like send me an email. But also, once it hits YouTube, have at it. Please get a bunch of beer. Talk to Wayne, who runs the, the Daytona show. Like yeah, this Wayne, way the, the Daytona Wayne, Red Hill? Yeah. That Wayne is a tortoise nut. Like yeah. Wayne go make sure that there are, are turtles and tortoises present at that show. Yeah, he's in my way. He he owns a a, a a a for lack of a better word, a you know, Chelonian farm where they have <laughs> you know 50, 60 different species of turtle and tortoise that they actively breed. That's amazing. Yeah. You need to talk to him because I mean that may I mean, it's not until August, but you know, a screening option there would be. Yeah. Yeah. Get um, get with me after the show, and I'll, I'll send you something. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And for anybody that wants to send us information to help us with this, go for games film at gmail.com. It will go to me oh. and uh, Chase as well. So. Oh, look at that! Wayne speaking at the uh, Jacksonville Herb Society meeting in March. Nice. Yeah. Wayne Hill. Why do I Chase know that name? Does he lead a turtle or like a turtle survey? Yeah, probably. Probably. Oh shoot! I've been on one of those where you jump in the water and you catch turtles and you like document them and put them back in the water. Oh I, dang! I don't I, see Wayne jumping in the water. Yeah, Wayne ain't oh. jumping in the water. Okay, different <laughs> Wayne. Okay, yeah. I've done some he of that may stuff. He have been there. He was the one doing it. Yeah. So thank you, trip. Lisa, for helping spread the word. I saw that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, get in contact with him because um, he even has. Doesn't you do like turtle specific talks? Like the night before the show. Yeah. So so every every Daytona. So it's the National Reptile Breeders Expo at Daytona Beach, Florida. It's and awesome. I've been there. Yeah. So every Friday evening they have a symposium where they get turtle talks and people are talking about, 
you know, captive propagation of of North American wood turtles and, uh, you know, captive husbandry of spotted pond turtles and you name it. They usually do like two or three species a show annually. And uh, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. Sweet. I mean, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, we are past the two hour mark. Do we have anything else? No, we covered. I could go another hour. (laughs) (laughs) I love the tortoises. Thank you guys for having me and, and for being willing to take the time to like support something that's conservation based. I know that, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about in the reptile world, but uh, we really appreciate you supporting this doc in the way that you do. We appreciate you guys doing the the, the boots on the ground, man. It's awesome. Right. As soon as uh, as soon as it's available, you know, we'll we'll definitely get it spread out and and uh, between the like 15 pages of the hosts alone and the show and all that other stuff, you know, there's sweet. I will ask this: Is there any uh, for lack of a better synonym, conservation organization that the documentary is directly affiliated with in case people want to donate or support or buy merch or whatever. Yeah. Um, we So for legal reasons, we wanted to protect any of these nonprofits. So none of them are like directly affiliated in the sense that they're, they're releasing it. Um, okay. We're releasing it through a small LLC that I own because if it tanks and tanks and I don't lose any money. Yeah, um, because we're calling out senators and commissioners. Like this is gonna, this is gonna be a problem. Um, but but we do. So Chase was interviewed, and he's been a huge part of it. And the Ashton Biological Preserve does so much good, and uh, that's that's a big one. Um, so you can Google it; it's easy to find their website. And then uh, the Center for Biological Diversity is, is uh, Elise Bennett was our interviewee for you know the technical stuff when it comes to, to lawyering, um, and. Uh, they they take donations as well. Um, Chase and the the Ashton Biological Preserve will take volunteers if you're in the area. And then Kim Titterington was from the Swamp uh, Swamp Girl Adventures Rescue and Rehab, uh, and they you know they do mul- they do multiple things, but one of their biggest ones is the Rescue and Rehab, and I'm sure they could use the support as well. Um, there weren't any other organizations that um, directly like helped us. But there are other ones that do really important things. Conservation Florida, we talked about earlier. They protect land. And then uh, Gopher Tortoise Council, it's worth a Google. Um, they, you know, they didn't support directly because they, a lot of them work with FDBC is my assumption. Right. We, did, we didn't want to put anybody in at jeopardy of losing their jobs yeah. or their relationship with the sure. FWC because sure. that's important. Even yeah. though they think that the commissioners are idiots, uh, the FWC does good work sometimes. So, um, yeah, Ashton Biological Preserve. And Center for Biological Diversity, Swamp Girl Adventures. Those are the three that I would recommend at the moment. Excellent. Excellent. Good stuff. Yeah, we uh, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, as always, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. You need a rack, you need a cage. You need a little bit of both. Go shop around. Use them tax dollars. Use the code THN at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Then hop on over to fullviesapparel.com. Also use the code THN at checkout. Get 15% off your order. That is the exclusive promo code for THN listeners and viewers like you. And Puget Sound Pythons, Jeff and Kendra in the Pacific Northwest. Good people. Go follow them just because. And then Cold-Blooded Caffeine, the best coffee money can buy. 
get our blend, get other people's blends, get their house blends. You won't be disappointed. It's all good. Uh, Thursday, Chris and I, I believe, are back for Corn Stars. Um, because we had flipping tin last last week. If you haven't checked that out, go give it a listen. You know, Jake and uh, Jake and Sky are, are doing a really good job with that. I'm really enjoying it. So, um, create a, a gopher tortoise shirt. Yeah, that's that's kind of been on the on the radar. Um, just got to make it happen. Got to find time. So, thank you, everybody. We will see y'all later. Bye. Bye.